Listen in as we talk about unhealthy friendships among students in your ministry. All this and more on Youth and Culture. Hey guys, I'm your host, Ryan Sebastian, and I want to thank you for making this podcast a part of your day today. If you're new to the podcast, uh, welcome. If you've been listening for a while, I would encourage you to go ahead and leave a rating and review. Again, that does help uh, this podcast. Again, if you've been listening for a while, I would encourage you to... uh, share this podcast with others, especially if you enjoy uh, the content that uh, we've been providing for you. Also, when you leave a comment, uh, give us some ideas of what kind of content and topics you would like us to cover as well, because again, this podcast is to help you as a youth leader. Uh, Some of y'all who've been listening for a while may be wondering what happened to the podcast last week. Uh, again, I did promise a special guest uh, last week, a someone who's been uh, very much impacting my life and what I do uh, in youth ministry. Uh, but like ministry, how ministry works, uh, sometimes you have a difficult week of ministry. And last week was one of those weeks where I had a difficult week of ministry and I really needed to take some time off to uh, reflect on God, uh, spend some time with Him, uh, and also just to prevent ministry burnout. Uh, again, I'll, and we actually would hopefully in the next uh, few episodes, we'll spend some time talking about how to prevent ministry burnout. Uh, but before we get into that, let's take a pause and go ahead to listen to our sponsors. Youth and Culture is brought to you by Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is an online accountability and content blocking software for your mobile device or your computer designed to protect the entire family. Today, with 90% of boys and 70% of girls being exposed to pornography online and 56% of divorce cases listing porn use as a factor It's more important than ever to protect your home. Click the link at the bottom of the show notes, sign up for Covenant Eyes, and start protecting your home today. So because I had to take a little sabbatical last week, we're going to have to switch things up a little bit from what I was planning. So we're actually going to be talking to Kelly Needham. Uh, today. Kelly uh, recently wrote a book called uh, Friendish, and basically we went, I wanted to kind of talk to her a little bit about unhealthy friendships, specifically talking about students. And if, and if you're listening, again, we, and you're a youth leader, we've all dealt with students with unhealthy friendships and seeing the damage that it's caused because of that. 
So I kind of dive in that a little bit with uh, with Kelly uh, in in the interview and um, and how to better uh, minister to kids when it, and students when it comes specifically in this realm of friendships. Again, stay tuned for this week's episode. guys, I am really excited to be talking to Kelly Needham uh, today, uh, especially on a topic that is, is extremely important and extremely uh, stuff, just things that you deal with constantly when it comes to students in your ministry. And that's uh, this topic of friendships. But Kelly, before we get into that, how about you kind of introduce yourself and your story and just your background? Yeah. Um, I did grow up going to church myself, and so youth group um, holds a special place in my heart. Um, God really shaped me through years of discipleship in my church in junior high and high school. So um, for all those youth leaders listening, what you're doing matters. And um, I got I came to know the Lord when I was pretty young, and He gave me a desire to know Him um, probably in like sixth grade. And I just couldn't get enough of the Word, and I wanted to learn all I could. and uh, so then I <clears throat> went to college after that, found myself married in my early 20s, and actually served in youth ministry um, soon after that in my 20s, and um, have kind of done all sorts of things since then. My husband's a musician. I've been his roadie, his road manager, all those things. Um, we now have three kids, so most of my day is spent making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and folding laundry, um, and in between that, just trying to use every opportunity I have to convince people that Jesus is better than anything. And sometimes that's in my kids and my conversations with them. And sometimes it's on my website when I'm writing or blogging. So um, that's that's who I am a little bit, where I've been, what I'm doing now. Okay, Kelly, uh, uh, when you just recently, last I say a couple months ago, released a book uh, called Friendish. The Reclaiming Real Friendship in a Culture of Confusion. How, how, well, why don't you tell us a little bit um, about what led you to write Friendish, Friendish and uh, tell us a little bit about the book. Yeah, I, I really wrote this book because I needed it. Um, and for many years, I couldn't find a book that was dealing with friendship in the ways that I had questions arising in my own life about it. I saw a lot of books um, from Christian authors stating that we need friendship, we need community, and kind of making a case for that. And I was like, yeah, I'm totally for that. But I didn't see anything that was helping understand maybe when um, we're facing problems in our friendships that aren't like the traditional cultural problems of maybe we're backstabbing each other and lying to each other, but like there's there's unhealth, there's um, there's too much clinginess. Uh, there's confusion around a lot of our feelings about it or jealousy. I had a lot of those things going on in people around me that I was ministering to, and I just couldn't figure it out. So I kept looking for a book. I never found it. And over years, just started interviewing people, talking to um, 
those that I heard had stories like this, started reading my Bible just with that lens. God, what does your word have to say? What are the implications of the word on this this very important part of our lives called friendship? And that's that's really where the book came from. It came out of my own need for this to exist. And so really the heartbeat behind the book is it's asking the question, how does the gospel um, impact friendship? How does the gospel transform friendship? And but what I mean by even the gospel is that we have access to the fountain of living waters. We have access to God through Jesus Christ. Our relational needs are able to be fully met in him. So what does that do for friendship? How does it help us understand it? What we should expect of it, what we shouldn't? And how does it help us see maybe our cultural patterns of friendship that are modeled for us in a different light and, and see through them um, things that might be idolatrous or sinful, but but maybe don't seem like that on the surface. So I was trying to help give people eyes to see that um, before it's too late, um, because some of my own friends went down paths that were really painful and messy. And if they would have had eyes to see problems sooner, I think it would have spared them a lot of grief. And so um, that's one of my hopes that this book would do that for people. Yeah. W- w- um, in relation to uh, friendships, uh, what would you consider a common problem on how people engage friendships? Yeah, I think there's a lot of self-centeredness in how we befriend people um, that we sometimes can't even see. I think it's so trained in us to go and we need friends. I need to find friends, you know, for me, my friend offends me. So they're out. Um, you see a lot of things online or on Pinterest or on Instagram that'll be comments about that, that are essentially, if your friend does you wrong, you shouldn't forgive them or show them grace. You kick them out. But that's not what we see Jesus telling us to do in regards to people. Um, he calls us to you know, love those who've wronged us and to love our neighbor as ourself. And I, I've, as I've talked to people about um, how to spot selfishness or self-centered motivation in our friendships, I find a lot of Christians are like, wow, I didn't ever realize So much of the reason I was befriending people was not just to give something in that friendship. It was to get something that I feel lonely. And so I'm going to befriend you because I need you versus uh, what we see in scripture, which is I have been given everything in Christ. So I get to befriend others and give them something freely. Uh, So that's, I think, a really common problem we all face that the Bible has a ton to say about. um, And we just need to have eyes to see it in friendship. But I think... um, in light of that, we also can tend to make our friends our idols. And so I would say that's the other common problem that I see is when our friends become what we need to be okay, they in some ways can become a functional savior, something that is um, what we see is more dependable than God. We run to it quicker than we do the Lord. That's not okay for the Christian. Um, and I see that happening a lot more than I should. Again, because I think people just don't sometimes have eyes to see that. So idolatry and self-centeredness or selfishness are two really common things. I, and I've seen those in my own life, but I see them in others as well. Yeah. One thing that um, I do have to agree, I totally agree when it comes to us being self-centered when it comes to friendships, because we, na- we naturally struggle with, with pride and natural, uh, naturally struggle with selfishness. Um, because I, we do this even with our jobs uh, to where we put, put ourselves in a position of uh, of the of ulterior motives um to where we, we either like for if, 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 if maybe an example would be like if you are looking to get that promotion 
and you're putting yourself in the situations uh, saying that you're there to serve and you're there to help. In the back of your mind, you're there to get a promotion. Um, in the same sense, right. uh, I, you can apply this to friendships um, in a sense that you're looking to get something out of the relationship rather than giving something to the relationship. And and we and now you see this even uh, it's a common problem even with marriage. You can apply the same principle with marriage as well. So I I totally agree uh, with that. Well, what would you consider? And this is kind of connected to this as well. But what would you consider an unhealthy friendship? Yeah, I I'm going to define that. You know, and, and I think your you know listeners too hopefully would define that in light of. Um, <clears throat> what we would say is best for our souls, that what's best for all of us is to be in right relationship with God. And um, we're called to love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's our first and greatest command that we are totally sold out to Him. Our our hearts are fully His. And then secondarily, that we're loving others as ourselves. Um, so when a friendship is is pulling us away from those commands. It's hindering us from those things. It's drawing us further away from Jesus, not closer to him. It's taking our dependence off Christ and putting it on a person. But so when all those when those things are happening, it's becoming unhealthy. And here's the challenging thing is that you can start to put your hope, your dependency, um, your joy on a friend, not on God, all the while be going to church and talking about Christian things. That's that's the hard part here is a lot of us are maybe doing these patterns of religious activity, but our hearts are not tied to Christ. Um, when when problems come, when trouble arises, when we feel lonely and isolated, we're not running to him, we're running to a friend. That's unhealthy. Even if Jesus is in the language of those conversations, our actions are showing us who are we running to. And anytime a friendship is keeping us from obedience to God, that's unhealthy. And you see that happen. One of my favorite examples of this is, um, or one of the clearest ones is Jesus and uh, the apostle Peter. When Jesus tells them, I'm going to be crucified, that's obedience, right? That's what he knows he's supposed to be doing is uh, following God to Jerusalem to be crucified. And Peter says, far be it from you. He rebukes him and says, no, that won't happen to you. And I'm sure Peter didn't mean anything by it. He probably just felt protective of Jesus. But Jesus says to him, you become a hindrance to me. Get behind me, Satan. Peter stepped in between Jesus's obedience to the Father. And at that point, it was not a healthy friendship. It wasn't a healthy expression of friendship. And so anytime our friendships are getting in the way of our obedience to these basic commands to love God with all that we are, to be dependent on Him and have no other gods before Him, it's unhealthy. It's it's not doing what it should be doing, at least not for the Christian. No, absolutely. And one thing I kind of wanted to... Um, kind of touched on a, a little bit, because of course, we're... This is a, a youth ministry podcast specifically designed for youth leaders and youth workers and how can we best serve students. And I, I, the reason why I think this topic is, is so important, so essential is because of uh, the destructiveness of students when it comes to friendships. And, and one thing that uh, you state in your book very, very well is uh, how sometimes we take the intimacy and the design of what a marriage should be. And we have pulled that and started applying that to friendships and the, and the dangers of that. Uh, can you kind of touch base on us a little bit 
about the dangers and the destructiveness of doing that when it comes to friendships. Yeah. I, you know, it, it is scary because that is, um, these are these friendships I titled in the book, mimicking marriage friendships, friendships that are, are kind of acting like this two people, one flesh kind of union uh, type of relationship. Um, if you just look around online for any length of time, what's being marketed to young people as true best friendship, that's what you're going to see, um, friendships that mimic marriage. So you have your regular friends and then you have your best friend, or uh, at least on the male side of it, they're calling it a bromance, um, that there are studies done of you know young men, that they the way they describe a bromance is that it's one other friend with whom you share everything. There's physical affection, but of course, not in a sexual way, says the study, but like there's a lot of intimacy linked to just one singular other person. And so this is what is getting marketed to young people as best friendship or a bromance. And I think a lot of our young people feel like they don't feel complete without a best friend, at least when I interview people. So yeah, they're they're running into these. Now, it's unhealthy because God did not design friendship to do that. Marriage is the only relationship that God encourages a sense of exclusivity and intimacy and ownership. Um, and that's because it, it's shadowing something really important. But friendship is not ever meant to be that. And as soon as it becomes that, it introduces all sorts of um, unhealthy things. And it does introduce sexual attraction for a lot of young people that feels really confusing. Um, and that shouldn't be any surprise if they're mimicking an institution that's meant to be um, consummated physically, that that would show up in their friendships. But <clears throat> it is not a healthy form of of companionship. It's, it's, it's cultivating a, a covenantal relationship that God is not called for or blessed or encouraged, and it will lead us astray. Um, and so it's, it should be uh, on youth pastor radars, on parents' radars, that that is what is being marketed um, to young people. And unless they understand that it's unhealthy, they're, they're not going to see a problem with it off the bat. At least a lot of people don't. They figure as long as we're going to church together or talking about spiritual things, it's fine. But that exclusivity is not healthy in a friendship ever. We don't own our friends. They don't belong to us. Um, we are individuals, not a unit. And uh, as soon as we begin acting that way, all sorts of uh, unhealthy problems can birth out of that and have birthed out of that for many people. Yeah, one thing you kind of uh, stated in your book, which I have never really thought of until uh, you brought this point up, is how our culture is starting to use uh, like sexual type of language when it comes to friendships. Uh, one of it was, mm -hmm. was romance and um, was there a few other things you mentioned in your book uh, as well that I, I have heard my teens, my students use this type of language describing each other. And at first you kind of like, uh, I've never really thought about it. So it was just, a, just who they are. Uh, but as, right. as I got and started reading, uh, your book, you put it so well that, that our culture is taking some of these avenues of intimacy and language, sexual language that, uh, and applying it towards, uh, friendships, even though I, I think in, I think in reality, most, especially students don't realize what they're doing. I think it's more right. of an acceptance of, of what they're seeing in culture, whether media uh, social media uh, mm -hmm. or whatnot. 
that's kind of in, instituting this in their own uh, type of friendships. Um, so, so I, I 100% agree. And one thing that we, you briefly just touched on, and you touched on briefly in your book, and I don't want us to go too in depth into it because we can we can spend a whole podcast talking about this topic <laughs> is is how friendships a unhealthy improper friendship especially in the realm of intimacy can lead uh to same-sex attraction um mm-hmm. so, uh, can you briefly just kind of review that with us as well how that that type of intimacy can kind of lead or correspond and move a friendship or person into uh, same-sex attraction. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I think the, the principle that we see in Scripture that um, <clears throat> is at play here, we see most clearly in Romans 1, but in other places, that as soon as we begin to worship a creature, not the Creator, so we, we take God's gifts and we see them as preeminent and ultimate in our lives, that could be a friend, that could be... Uh, ministry that could be all sorts of things, but anytime we are walking in idolatry, it will eventually, it can and will lead to distortion in our sexuality and our sexual desires in how we're using our sexuality. Um, and so you see that in friendship that I do think that, and, and I, I know I, I've interviewed lots of people who had no same sex attraction prior to a friendship. You, they would have told you that was gross to them. That was disgusting. They didn't ever want that. They want to marry somebody of the opposite gender. They're daydreaming about it. But they'll get into one of these mimicking marriage friendships. They'll cultivate a unique bond and intimacy with someone of the same gender without feeling anything abnormal about it. And slowly over time, they begin idolizing their friend. That, that friend becomes their safety net, their everything. And they begin worshiping the, the creature not the creator. And that opens the door for distortion in sexual desires. Um, it becomes a catalyst for um, that sin of idolatry to begin to seep into um, our sexual design and, and how we're, we're using sexuality, even the little forms of it in flirt- flirtation, um, all of that. And it's been really confusing to many people I've, I've interviewed that they'll say they find themselves in a position with a friend of the same gender where they're making out, they're um, doing all sorts of inappropriate things sexually and wondering all the while, I don't understand what's happening. I still want to marry someone of the opposite gender. I still kind of daydream about that, but this feels so natural. And they're confused. They don't know what's going on. And um, they don't talk to people about it because it feels so shameful, so confusing to them. And so it it helps, for me, it helps uh, in those conversations to continue to point them back to um, your sexuality and your sexual desires are an issue, but that's not the primary root here. The primary root is you have elevated your friend above God. He, this friend has become your everything in a way that only God should be. And that's opened the door for all sorts of distortion here in how you feel and how you want to express your desires sexually. And that can happen in any kind of idolatry, but it's, I think, fuel to the, to that process happening even quicker because of our all sorts of cultural ways that they're framing um, friendship. You know, like you just said, with language, I just saw some friendship bracelets in Old Navy last week that have soulmates on them. That they, That's what they say, we're soulmates. You know, you see this kind of only used to be for marriage language being put around friendships. And that's just creating, um, fanning into flame all sorts of problems 
um, at a faster speed for many people. So I think it's primarily, though, it's an idolatry issue prolonged over time gives way to distortion of sexual desires. Um, but the root thing that needs to be repented of is the idolatry more than anything. No, absolutely. Um, one thing that uh, specifically in, in that context, in that area of um, same-sex attraction, uh, with friendships, uh, in my own experience and research as well, I tend to see this more uh, towards young girls than I do with uh, with boys. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that is uh, partly, I believe that what I'm seeing in research from that uh, research that I'm seeing as well is because women are naturally emotionally driven or is connecting emotionally. And when you have that connection with the same sex um, and a friendship, that can draw in same-sex attraction in that sense. Do you see that more among uh, young girls than you do with, uh, with boys? Yes, I definitely do. I think um, it has a lot to do with the, yeah, like you said, we're driven by emotions. The women's sexuality is very tied to emotional connectivity. Um, and so when that's happening in a friendship, um, that can become, you know, the, the seed for uh, unhealthy sexual practices. I think another factor with women is that um, girls often struggle with the idolization of marriage, Um, you know, chick flicks and all sorts of things. They're marketed toward women. And we sometimes think marriage holds the key to happiness. Uh, Some young women, that's changing a little bit, but I, I do talk to a lot of young women who like, if I can just, you know, get married and not be single forever, then I'll be happy. And so I actually think that opens the door for these type of friendships because if they're, you know, if they're too young to even consider that, or they're, you see older single women in their 30s and 40s who've longed to be married but haven't, a best friend can be the next best thing to that. It gives you an exclusive relationship with somebody where you kind of belong to each other, you're each other's person, and that can in some way meet this desire to um, have a person that's yours. And so I think actually this idea that marriage can ultimately satisfy our souls builds, creates a space for women to struggle with these type of friendships more. I just don't think men are as tempted by that idolatry um, to think that marriage will satisfy them. Um, not At least not statistically, you don't see that as being as common. Um, so I think that's part of the reason you see it in women more. And it's just more culturally acceptable to be affectionate with a friend if you're a girl. You know, there's there's more... I, I've, you know, talked to a lot of people who, like you said, might see it in their youth group and go, oh, I guess that's just how they are nowadays. Or I guess that's just normal. And we write it off. We brush it off. It doesn't seem, maybe it feels a little off to us, but we're not totally sure everybody else seems fine with it. And so, again, these friendships can go further down the lane into unhealth because it's acceptable, where I don't think for two guys who are friends there's some roadblocks to them, even that it wouldn't be culturally acceptable to do some of those things or talk that way. And so it actually becomes a built-in safeguard to keep them from going that far. So I think those are those are all the multiple factors of why I think the temptation and struggle is much higher for, for girls right now than it is for guys. No, I agree. Because I see the same thing even in, again, in my student ministry, I see more affection uh, 
physical affection uh, among girls than I do with guys. The average guy um, is not a touchy feely person. It's just it's just just reality what I see uh, among my students. Um, the average guys aren't going to sit there and be all on top of each other. And and, mm-hmm. they, and if they were, again, like you said, it's 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 almost culturally something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a red flag there. But whereas when you have young girls uh, doing the same, almost the same exact things, it's a culturally accepted. And I think it's even culturally accepted even in the church mm-hmm. um, as a whole. And so, again, I, and this even in my own student ministry, when this idea of unhealthy friendships, uh, I see it, I have it, I have it with males, but I predominantly have this uh, problem among females. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the same issues that we we've talked about today, uh, of, of we put a lot of times uh, a lot of my girls in my ministry put a friendship almost above everything else. Like if they don't have a best friend, mm-hmm. uh, they're not well connected uh, with a friend. Um, that something's wrong with them. And mm-hmm. um, I have have one teen, uh, one young girl right now that. Uh, my wife has been counseling through. I've had talks with her as well about your friends not having a very uh, good, for, like best friend. Not having a best friend is not the end of the world. That shouldn't mm-hmm. be your goal. Your goal, ultimate goal, is your relationship with Christ, uh, and that's where your identity should be wrapped in. Not your identity should not be wrapped in uh, by the type of friends you have. Uh, so, I, so I, I 100% agree. Uh, with that as well. Uh, but what uh, what kind of advice would you give um, a youth leader on how to navigate friendships when it comes to teenagers? And we kind of hit on this a little bit, but what other advice would you give a youth leader? I think um, being, if you're not already aware of, of what's culturally being pushed to your teens about what friendship should look like and be like, it'd be really good to just become aware of that. Um, and there's so many ways to do that, but just to learn that, get on HuffPost and read some of those articles on friendship or BuzzFeed, you know, get on Pinterest. And I think it, it would shock most people, most um, adults who are out of that season of life, if they haven't done that yet, what types of messaging is out there. And that is, is helpful to just see that. Um, and I think being aware of, the unhealth that can happen in same gender friendships is an awareness more youth leaders need because sometimes we're so worried about <laughs> the opposite sex relationship, right? Like, you know, don't mess around, you know, don't stumble there that we put, we can unintentionally push people so hard into, you know, same gender friendships, which we do need, but we can unintentionally, um, push them to, to depend on friends in a way they should only really be depending on God that way. We really should be pushing people to Christ, um, as their hope for, um, everything. Um, and one practical thing that I think is, is really helpful in any ministry is to just be aware that in friendships, it really needs to, it it stays healthiest when it's in a group. Um, because of our temptation, the cultural temptation to create these exclusive best friend friendships, I don't think the one-on-one accountability between you know two students is actually that helpful. It'd be much better to go, let's get three or four of you together and you know, you guys walk with one another. Um, that 
having multiple voices, multiple people in the mix, getting rid of this one-on-one, we belong to each other thing um, helps is part of how friendships stay healthy because we do need friendships. Our, the students in our churches need good companionship. I mean, that is a, a legitimate need, um, but it will stay healthiest when it's not becoming exclusive. Um, so, and, and learning to ask, I would say too, asking maybe one more uh, step uncomfortable question to some students you might be concerned about, then, y- you know, you might be tempted to leave it alone, but I would ask questions about it. A lot of the people I interviewed that were just really broken from unhealth in their friendships, when I asked them, what do you wish somebody would have done for you? What do you wish, uh, how, could have, how could somebody have helped you or, you know, kept this from happening? Almost across the board, people told me, I wish somebody would have pried a little more. I wish somebody would have asked harder questions. I wish someone would have been like, hey, I see your friendship with this person and just it doesn't sit well with me. Can we talk about it? Um, And a lot of those people said, I don't know if I would have listened at that point, but I wish I would have been given the opportunity to own to myself um, and to somebody else that, yeah, there's a problem here and I need to talk about it before things got really messy and and really broken in a way that, that they're still carrying scars from. Um, so just to encourage youth leaders, don't be afraid if you see things that just don't set right with you to go there with that student, to pull them aside one-on-one, not together. Um, they need to be treated like individuals, not a couple or a unit. Um, but, you know, individually pull someone aside and say, hey, let's, can we talk about this? Um, and, you know, give them the appendix of my book or something that talks about healthy and unhealthy friendships. Let's talk through this. What are you seeing? And and just to go there with students before they've really created some um, unhealthy circumstances for themselves. No, that's absolutely great. And all, and all that can be um, applied, the same thing with parents um, as well. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, yes. uh, the parents need to be also be more aware of what their teenager, what kind of friendships they're having, if it's unhealthy or healthy friendships and be involved in the aspect as well. So all that can be applied uh, for us as youth leaders, uh, for parents who are listening, I uh, can be applied to you as well uh, when it comes to interacting and being active uh, with your teenager. Um, now, if this is a like those of you who are listening. I would highly encourage you uh, to grab Kelly's book, uh, Friendish. I would have information on the show notes of where you can locate that and information on that for you as well. Please grab and encourage you. Uh, this is a phenomenal book on friendships and, and in the aspect this is applies to it can be used for you as a parent when it comes to your teenager and it can be applied for you as a youth leader uh, within your ministry as well uh, but for kelly before we go um what is the best way for people to get in uh contact with you and connected with you yeah you can um go to my website is one way kellyneedham.com um there is a place to submit questions um or to, to find study guides, we've created a study guide for the book um, for group or individual use that's on there. Um, or I'm mainly on social media, I'm on Instagram or Twitter. Um, I mean, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And so you're welcome to reach out in that way. And my hope in all those avenues is, is just to keep pointing people to Christ and how that informs things like friendship and, and more. So um, my website or on social media would be great ways. 
Well, Kayla, I just want to thank you for uh, taking your time today and coming on the podcast. Uh, what you said today has been great and great for youth leaders and great for our parents who are listening as well. So I really do appreciate you for taking the time out tonight. Yes, thank you for having me. Hey guys, if you have not picked up a copy of Friendish, I would highly encourage getting that book. Again, it's a phenomenal book that navigates this world of friendships. It's an awesome resource for you as a youth leader. Also, it's a great resource even for parents. So I highly encourage you to go ahead and pick this up. Again, I'll have information in the show notes uh, where you can find that. And also, um, if you would like to have a signed copy of Friendish by Kelly Needham, uh, you have an opportunity to actually win that. We're actually going to be doing a giveaway uh, here within uh, the next week. All you have to do to enter for that giveaway is just to give us a rating and review on iTunes, take a little snapshot of that rating, and just DM Youth and Culture either through Instagram or Facebook. And again, that's uh, Youth and Culture 2000 at Youth and Culture 2000. And again, that's across Facebook and Instagram. So DM us, and again, we'll have a little drawing for your chance to win a signed copy of Friendish. Again, guys, stay tuned to next week. Next week, I'm going to actually be talking and interviewing uh, Mark DeVries. Uh, again, Mark has been very influential in my life and the way I do uh, youth ministry and my philosophy youth ministries. He's been uh, very impactful for on me and how I do ministry over the years. So again, you don't want to miss next week's episode.